Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's get into the Word and then we'll see where the Lord leads us today. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and to hear and to act on the word and to get our lives are transformed. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So we, we've been having this conversation, two parts now, on learn of me. Learn of me. The words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 11. When you are studying the word of God, don't be afraid of reputation. Don't try to get into something new when the Lord is speaking to you from a particular verse. Praise God. So, for instance, in your own personal life, if you are studying or your morning devotion and the Lord is, uh, a particular verse is coming up in your spirit, spend time on it. Don't be in a hurry to rush to something else. That's why some, somehow, why devotionals are also good, they can also obstruct uh, your, your growth, the maturity, if, you're not, if you don't use it properly, because you are on a particular verse, and, and the Lord is speaking to you from that, and then, but that is on the 1st of August, and you need to quickly rush to the second, so you complete it, and you don't get the lesson in that verse. Is that, is that okay? So sometimes, even while you're using the devotional, you want to mark it that you finish that one, learn to stay because most importantly, it is those who are led by the Spirit of God that they are the sons of God. Amen. So, sometimes, even particularly, in fact, I was telling my brother who manages the website, my intention was to teach this for only one Sunday. It was just a one-off stuff. You know, but, but we've, we've been around it because the Lord is still speaking to us from the verse. Praise God. And it should be the same way with your life. Certain times also you see some particular songs come up in your spirit, man. All right? Put it on repeat. Play it over and over again. Play it over and over again. A friend of, of mine, um, we met in the U.S., and um, the pastor in Brussels, in Belgium, and he was sharing a testimony. Two, two days ago, he got up in the night and he, he felt, he was just feeling uncomfortable and uneasy. And so he just started praying in the spirit. So he prayed in the spirit for 30 minutes that day. And then the wife left for work. And uh, uh, the wife was involved in a very terrible accident. Car was smashed. But she was kept saved and preserved. Praise God. After testing her, she was still able to go to work that day. That means that the Lord actually preserved her. Amen. But while he was sharing the testimony was while they were just thanking God, the Lord took his mind back to that moment two days ago when he felt unease in his spirit and he just prayed in the spirit not knowing exactly what he's praying for. I believe that the spirit of God can prevent a lot of things from happening to us if we would listen to the spirit. Certain times you just feel certain songs of victory coming up in your spirit. I've not started teaching. This one is free stuff, so my time has not started counting. All right. You know, certain times you feel some songs come up in your spirit. Spend time on those songs because there's something God wants to achieve there. Uh, praise God. Or certain times you feel you can't sleep. That's not when to take paracetamol and sleeping medicine. Maybe the Lord wants you to spend some time in prayer, but then you quickly just take the sleeping drugs and boom, you're gone. And then tomorrow is, oh, why me? Praise God. Learn to pay attention to the, the impressions of the Spirit in your heart. And you can only do that if you're sensitive. That's why you must, while you're living on the earth, you must be spiritually conscious. So sometimes your inability to sleep, your rejoicing in the Spirit, you just find a kind of joy well up in your heart. Well, go ahead and yield to that. Because sometimes in the days ahead, God needs the seed of that word or that prayer or that song to act on something. Praise God. 
So we're still in Matthew chapter 11 now. Let's go to verse 28. Thank you, Father. Verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, Lord of heaven and earth, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. So I said that there is a level of wisdom you think you have that will make God not to reveal things to you. It's like trying to teach your child and your child thinks he knows. Well, you just refrain. Level of humility required to be able to learn from God. Praise God. Now, verse 26. Even so, Father, so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Now, when you read this verse, and you see that word, and to whom the, the Son wills to reveal him, it looks more like uh, the prerogative of revelation is, ba is based on the will of the Father. But then you realize that the Bible was not written in verses. The Bible was a long scroll. It was written so when you're actually reading the Bible, the verses are to help us locate. For instance, now, if I say, let's read Matthew. And this is where I actually want us to emphasize, and there's no verse in your Bible, it'll take us the whole day to find it. So the verses and the, the chapters were put there to help us um, appreciate or to help us to be able to follow the reading of the scriptures. So if you read it with the verse, you will feel like if God doesn't want to reveal his son, then you won't get it. But if you read the next verse, then you will understand how that process is initiated by you. Then he now says, go to the next verse. Come to me. That's the call. Come to me. So, come to me becomes the invitation for revelation. Right. Praise God. So he says, you can't know me except I reveal myself to you. Except I will to reveal myself to you. Then I now say, come to me. Now that come is the invitation to the process of revelation. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. That's where we've been building on. Learn from me. For I am gentle. King James Bachelor uses the word meek. And lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. So there is this invitation to come to Jesus. And to learn from him. But then on Wednesday, please make sure you get the, the messages and listen to them over and over again. On Wednesday, I emphasize the, the heart with which we can learn from the Lord, which is the heart of meekness and lowliness. A heart that is willing to learn. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. I'm meek, I'm humble. And the humility of Jesus was described to us in his God incarnation in, first, um, in Philippians chapter 2 where it talked about God you know he came in the likeness of man Kennedy no robbery although he was equal with God but the humility of Jesus is something we need to learn and Peter tells us that we can only receive with meekness the engrafted word of God means that if a man is not humble he cannot learn from God he might be in church, he might have all the sermons, but he is not learning from him. There is an invitation by God for us to learn from him. Now, I want us to go somewhere. We'll come back here. Acts chapter 5 and verse 20. Acts chapter 5 and verse 20. Learn from me. Acts chapter 5 and verse 20. I want to show you a, a phrase there. Acts 5.20. This was when... <laughs> you know, God is very funny and very humorous. 
Let, let, let's read from verse 17. Acts chapter 5, verse 17. Very interesting story. Remember when the prisoner, Peter was in prison. Then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation, meaning that they were filled with anger, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. You know, these guys went through a lot for preaching the gospel, really. And that's why uh, we should also value the gospel. You see, <laughs> we should value the freedom we have in either receiving the gospel or preaching the gospel. Because this gospel did not come cheap, right? Some of the missionaries who brought this gospel knew that they were going to die. That they were not going to go back. I remember reading a story about John Gillick when he came to South Africa. And there was a time there was no provisions for the missionaries. And uh, he wanted to call them from the field. So he called them and said, well, there's no money to support you guys and everything. So we'll need to pack up a while and see how the Lord helps us. And the missionaries uh, told him to, to give them a couple of days. And then they came back and told him, well, regardless of whether there are provisions or not, if, even if it will cost our lives, we will be ready to preach the gospel. And he went back into the field. Praise God. Now, why did they have that commitment? Because they believed that there was power in the gospel. That the gospel was the hope of humanity. And, and, and if we're not careful, we, we almost trivialize our salvation. We almost play with it. And the reason is because we're going there, because really, it our salvation is not costing us anything. What I mean by that is, whether you're born again or not, it, it's, it's, there's really no difference. Because you're doing everything you used to do. The only thing is that you added church on a Sunday morning. So there's really no price you are paying for being a believer. It's no price. And so there's almost no value attached to it. So you know, I can go to church when I want to go. can decide not to go to church. Hey, you're, you're the master of your own life. You make your own calls. You make your own decisions. And that is why I emphasize that word when we're reading Matthew. He says, Jesus is the Lord of heaven and earth. We, we need to understand the Lordship of Jesus. That just as much as the grace of God has come upon our lives, we are not in control of our lives. We were bought with a prize. That he is Lord. And it is what he says that counts in our life, not what we want. You know, there's a place of teaching people, go after life, go after your ambition, go after your dream. You know, go, just go, just go. And there's also a place of telling people, you need to find out exactly what God wants for you. And be comfortable with it. Praise God. All right. Today's going to be interesting. <laughs> and they laid hands on the apostles. This was not anointing them. This was arresting them. And put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. And said, now this is as I say, God is funny. If you, if you see that the Lord has delivered them, what will you do if you were the Lord? I'll tell them, guys, I've delivered you. Run as fast as you can and get out from here. But you know what the angel told them? <laughs> he says, go, stand in the temple, and speak to the people all the words of this life. Two things I want to emphasize. Number one, he did not say go and preach the word of life. He said preach the word of what? This life. Everybody say this life. That means that there is a specific life. There is a specific message. But the interesting thing I find here is that how many of you believe that if you were arrested... Uh, there are three places I don't like at all in my life. I don't like the police station. I don't like courts. I don't like hospitals. Now they serve their purpose, but I don't like them. It's personal choice. 
And imagine that you were taken to the police station and you were arrested. And then at night, the angel of the Lord comes, opens the door, wakes you up. You won't even wait to hear what the angel is saying. Immediately the chains fall up. <laughs> and then you say, Brother Sam, Brother Sam, say, meet me at home. You are gone. And then probably you are waiting for an instruction from the angel that's going to tell you the way of escape. And then the angel says, you know what you're going to do? You're going to stand there and you're going to preach. Like, no way. It was preaching that got me here. How many of you think you will not think that that is God's voice? Am I the only one? I think you think the same way. God can be telling me to preach again when preaching brought me here. And he came to deliver me. And some of you will even say he did not deliver us so that we can preach again. He delivered us so we can be free. But how many of you know this is what we're talking about? That serving God is not easy. I think we need to change the way we've been teaching people. We almost make it look like Christianity is going to be fun all through. It's not. It's not. God delivers you from prison and says, listen, you stand there and start preaching. You know, if it's our generation, you're going to say, say I've just been through a trauma. I need a therapist. God says, come on, preach. <laughs> you wouldn't even be able to put your words together. Praise God. But this is where you realize that you do not own your life. How many of you know Noah was called to build an ark and to preach righteousness to people and for 120 years nobody believed him? Have you read that in your Bible? For 120 years, not one convert. 120, 120 years. Can start counting. 120 years. A man was preaching and yet not one person answered him. And yet, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, his name is on the hall of fame, of faith. You know, the way we measure men on this earth is very absurd. You actually do not know who is successful except the Lord. We don't judge people by results. Some people have massive results in disobedience. How many of you know when Jonah preached, the whole city came to Christ? Say amen. amen. But how many of you know Jonah went to that mission on disobedience? When the Lord asked him to go, he didn't go. The guy went to another place. I, and I like when the Bible writes all this for us to tell us that the people we're also dealing with in scriptures were humans. They have a kind of tendencies. God says, go to Nineveh and preach. The guy said, no way. I'm going to Tarshish. He's a prophet of God. You expect, him, you expect him to know that God will know where he's going. But he thought that he could skip God. Bam, the guy entered the ship, sailing this way. The storm arose. Lord of heaven and earth. <laughs> storm arose. And then other guys were praying and praying and praying. They met the guy. The guy was just sleeping. Say, hey, guy, why are you not praying? He said, well, I'm the cause. And meanwhile, they have thrown things away. You know, exporters and importers. All the things they exported. They have thrown them away. That's why your association is critical. If you hang around with disobedient people, you might suffer some things you shouldn't have suffered before. Your company is important. So they threw the guy overboard. Bam. God got a big fish to swallow him. Wonderful experience. Because none of us have ever stayed in the belly of a fish before, but Jonah did. It's an incredible experience. Then the guy repented in the belly of the fish. And that's the mercy of God. That even in our disobedience, if we acknowledge our sins and if we turn back to him, he has a way to fix our life right from our mess into our destiny. That from the point of disobedience, if you genuinely repent before the Lord, he can take your life from that point and set you on the right path. And then Jonah preached. But this is the funny thing. If you read the story of Jonah, very interesting. You know the funny thing? Jonah preached and was wishing that the people did not repent. Are you following me? Come on, are you here this morning? Yes, the guy preached and he was hoping that, in fact, when the people repented, he now got angry. Say, you see what I was telling you? That they will repent and you will forgive them. 
boss. That's why they sent you to preach. Are you following this? So his heart was that, let me just preach, but let them not repent. Let God kill them. Then they will know. And finally, they repent. They, finally, they repented. The Lord forgave them. Jonah was angry. If I even pray that God should take his life. So you see that all the results Jonah got was in disobedience. So you can't judge a successful minister by what you see. He can have all those results, not truly doing what God asked him to do. That is free. And think about it. Even in your own life, you can have results without doing what God asked you to do. So God took this man and said, go stand and preach the words of this life. There is a specific life. It's the life of the cross. And that's the life that God wants us to live. Let me have the picture of the yoke. I want to show you this. I was trying to explain it on Wednesday. Now go to Matthew chapter 5. Let's go back there. Matthew chapter 5. No, don't worry. Put up the picture. Let them use their Bibles. Go to Matthew, Matthew 11. Just put up the picture for me. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 30 now. Verse 29. Matthew eleven twenty-nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am genuine and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now this is the picture of the yoke, right? Now what actually happens is that for them to plow, they'll bring two oxen together. Okay, and they'll put this on their neck. Now, so this is the yoke. This is how the yoke looks like. Okay. Now, one of the things they, they do for the animal to learn how to plow properly, they will put a stronger animal with a weak animal. Okay, so they won't put two strong animals. They'll put a stronger animal with a weak animal so that through the process of discipleship and mentorship, that weaker animal can become also strong. All right? I think I have two pictures there, right? Is there another one? Okay. But basically, this is what it is. Now, if you examine this, you will, on, you will, look, you will find out that the animals have a bit of freedom, but not total freedom. Why? Because... They are yoked together. Okay, perfect. So no, they are yoked together. Now this, they are yoked together. So even though they have a bit of freedom, but not total freedom. And I was trying to explain this that when Jesus says, "Come and learn of me," He did not say, "Come learn of me, and you will be yoke free." No, He says, "Come learn of me." Take my yoke. My yoke is light. I really need us to get that point. So Christianity is not an invitation to a life of absolute freedom without yoke. So it's not like I was yoked by religion. I used to do this. I used to do that. Now I'm a believer. I can do what I want. Grace will cover it. No, no. There is a yoke in Christianity. We are yoked with Christ. And the freedom we'll experience is in the context of that yoke. Listen to me, saints of God. There is a price to pay for being a believer. There is a life to live. There are things that a child of God should not do. And there are things that a child of God should do. It's not the law. It's the yoke of Christ. Say amen if you're here. Alright, so it means that it's an invitation to a lighter yoke. Why is it a lighter yoke? Because as opposed to the law, where there is no grace that will help us fulfill those laws, in the new covenant, God gives us his laws written in our heart and enables us to fulfill it. So his grace is available. Now that means that when we come to Christ, there is a level of yoke that should be on our necks, knowing that we are yoked with Christ. Now, it's very simple. Some of the instructions that God will give to us will not be easy instructions. 
Now let's 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 look at some of these instructions. That's where I want to build today. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 43. Matthew 5 43. You can take it off now. Matthew 5 43. Let's look at certain yokes. Ah. We're going to read this very carefully and meditate on it and stay on it. We're going to stop at verse 48. So when you become a believer, you know, uh, in, uh, on campus, when we had revivals and people got born again, you know, they used to sing the things I used to do, I do them no more. The things I used to say, say them no more. The places I used to go, I go there no more. How many of you heard that song? Great changed since I was born again. Amen. And that's true. That's true. That when a man becomes a believer and receives the message of this life, there should be a dramatic change in his life. People should be able to pick in your life that something has changed. Not just that you go to church now, but there actually has to be a behavioral change. I was speaking to some group of guys the other day, and I was telling them, I mean, to be honest, when we talk about corruption in our nation, we almost look like it's an invisible spirit that cannot go away. I said, but if we, if we were to run through this whole country, we to run through this whole country, and pick out people who are corrupt, you'll find out that maybe 75, I might be wrong, you might find that maybe 75 to 80% sit in church every Sunday morning. Yeah? Come on now. 75 to 80%. In the company you're working, you have to bring everybody out now and check the record. You discover that some of the guys that will go to jail are deacons and elders and pastors. That's the truth. So until we clean up God's house, we can't clean up the nation. Because then you have a church where you see a politician who rigged an election and then the pastor opens the pulpit for him and tells him to come and thank God. So the question is, what, what is he thanking God for now? For successful rigging? And if we don't deal with some of these things, we will not be able to bring the change that we desire in our lives, in our nations, in our communities and in the world. So Jesus was speaking to them in Matthew chapter 5 verse 43. He says, you have heard that it was said. You have heard that it was said. You shall love your enemy, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, that means I'm saying something else to you right now. Love your enemies. Number one. Love your enemies. How many of you know this is not an invitation to freedom as it were? This is a yoke now. <laughs> Praise God. Come on now. Do we agree? It's not, it's, not, it's not. These are very clear words. You don't need any Greek meaning to this. It's very clear. Love your enemies. But have you realized, go back to the, the previous verse, have you realized that most of our messages are still based on what Jesus said you have heard? Loving your, your neighbor and hating your enemies? That's still what our prayer points are made of. That's still what our lives generally are made of. But that's not the Christian life. That's not God's invitation. He says, come to me so you find rest for your soul. So if we check our souls, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of bitterness, there's a lot of malice, there's a lot of envy that is in our soul. And that, that, that burden, that yoke is heavy. So God invites us to a love life 
a love life that we absolutely as it were have no choice that's where the yoke is now but it is light because God gives us the grace to love those we cannot love and at the same time we find rest for our souls I haven't lived very long but in my own estimation I have never been in a generation that is so offended like ours we live in in a generation that we can't even preach the truth from the pulpits because now you're scared the offerings are going to drop the tithe is going to get angry church is going to get reduced you can't even tell your wife the truth because now she's going to go for one week and not talking to you you can't tell your husband the truth because now he's going to just stay off at the job and not come back until 11 at night. You can't tell your friend the truth, then he's going to say, oh, you are judging me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You don't know? And then you hear people say, well... I like this, my friend, because he just loves me as I am. He takes me as I am. We can take you as you are, but if we leave you as you are, you're going to destroy yourself. You can come to church as you are, but we don't expect you to stay as you are. Praise God. You can't even correct people anymore because it's judgment. And so you have a lot of people self-destruct. And that's what we've done to Christianity also. You know what we've done to Christianity? We've rewritten it to suit us. So there's no confrontation. Scripture says, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. But we have a reason why we, we can't be in church. There's a reason. Some people say, well, I'm serving God on my own now. I'm not serving it through church. Wise man. Are you following what I'm saying? God gives us an instruction. We feel, oh, I can't keep that. No, I'm not going to give my tithe to the church. I'm now giving my tithe to the orphans and the widows. I'd rather go help the lepers. That's what's going to please God more. You don't choose what will please him. He has already told you what pleases him. Yours is obedience, not rewriting the rules. Spend time in prayer. Then you hear people say, it's not how long you pray. It's if it is coming from your heart. And then you build a theology around your prayerlessness. And if you ask yourself, out of 24 hours of your life, how many minutes do you pray? You realize it's just 15 minutes. And yet you have time for everything else. So we must understand that we don't write the rules here. We have a God that we have pledged allegiance to. We go to his word, we find out what he wants from us, and we obey him. Christianity is about obeying the Father. Not what God can only do for you, but you submitting your life in obedience to him. Say amen if you're here. Amen. Let's read now. Let's look at the instructions God gives us. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Is this a suggestion? I can't hear you, church. Is this a suggestion? What's it? What's it? It's a command. Love your enemies. Why should you love your enemies? Because God said so. That's why he's a yoke. Because now you don't have the freedom to hate your enemies. Is this tough? Very tough. Is this easy? It's not easy. That's why he's a yoke. If you ask those animals we just saw right now, if that was easy, they'll tell you no, it wasn't easy because they can't graze the way they want. They can't walk the way they want. They just have to walk based on the yoke. Love your enemies. Number two, bless those who curse you. Wow. 
Interesting. Bless those who curse you. Not give them a piece of your mind. Not show them your true color. <laughs> and you know, you can't do all of these if you are still very conscious of yourself. You must die to yourself to be able to live this life. That is why Jesus gives us an example of humility. And you know, some of you, by nature, you have a quiet nature now. Not because you're born again, but you're just quiet. And you know, basically, people can do all stuff to you and you take it. And then you, you now married an aggressive wife who's become a defender of the masses. So even the quarrels you cannot pick, she picks them up for you. Say, don't worry, don't worry. Don't, I know you are quiet, but let, let, me, let me deal with this one myself. <laughs> and you are so glad. You are thanking God every day. Father, I thank you for the defender you have given to me. No, no. You guys are going to self-destruct. These are very simple instructions from the Father that we need to practice. You need to ask yourself, do I love my enemies? Because deep down within every one of us, there is a level of hatred that forms in our heart when people become our enemies that really, really in our heart, we want to see them destroyed. Are you following this? That's why someone will leave the church and a pastor will curse that person. Because you ask yourself, I mean, if the guy has been with you for five years and he wants to leave, then why are you cursing the person? That means you didn't love the person in the first place. You only loved the person because he was in your church. Not because you love the person as an individual. And now you ask yourself, if I pastored you, for instance, if I pastored you for five years, and then at the end of the day, you're going to another church, and I lay a curse on you, what joy will I get seeing that the person who I pastored for five years is suffering, he can't pay his children's school fees, he's sick just because he left the church? So you realize that I didn't love that person in the first place. I only loved the person because he was around me. I actually believe that any pastor who curses anybody who leaves their church is not born again. Because that's the first thing the Lord will teach you. If you actually have an encounter with the person of the Lord Jesus... Because, I mean, simple logic. You curse the person, he goes there and he's struggling in life. What's your joy? What have you gained? And then tomorrow, if that person wants to come back, what will you do? You now reverse the course. You're going to play with people's life that way, cursing and unlocking curses. Is that what God has sent you to do? You teach them the word and people make up their mind and make up their decision. And wherever the Lord wants them, the Lord will put them there. Are you following what I'm saying? If we are not conscious of ourselves, we can live this life. We can actually bless those who curse us if we are not conscious of ourselves. It's when you begin to look at yourself. Hey, hold me. I have a doctorate in this. I have a master's in this. Do you know who I am? Do you know where I come from? Do you know what I've been through? It's the more you look at yourself, the more everything becomes insultive. And I give you a simple example all the time. I can walk into this church and then maybe somebody didn't see me also and he didn't greet me, he didn't say good morning. It's simple. I can walk to the person and say, hey, good morning. Or I can decide to say, what is it? Is it because I'm simple? Why didn't they greet me? Is it because I'm not sitting in front? And you know, at that time, the enemy will be giving you ideas. Yes, they are looking down on you. If I had one bishop like that, that is how I have. And then before you know, you start acting, trying to put yourself where God hasn't put you. If we keep looking at ourselves, we'll never walk the Christian race. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus because he's the author and what? The finisher of our faith. So what are the instructions that Jesus gives us there? Number one, love your enemies. Everybody say, I will love my enemies. Oh, say it like you mean it now. Say, I'll love my enemies. Absolutely. <laughs> I know your heart is asking you, are you sure? Then you know what the enemy is going to do? You know what the devil is going to do? He's going to paint how wicked that enemy is. But you know, we, we need to trust God that God is wise. We need to trust God that if he gives us an instruction, he will keep it. Number two, bless those who curse you. Number three, do good to those 
those who hate you. Come on, how many of you know all of these three instructions? No one is comfortable to the flesh. No one. You know, even as a pastor, certain things happen, and I'm, man, I'm boiling and getting angry, and I go back to the place of study, and the Lord brings all this into my heart, and then you go again. You have to walk in love. You have to walk in love. This is Christianity. This is what the Lord has called us to do. Look at this. Pray for, not pray against, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Can we read that from the Amplified? Okay, you guys don't have the Amplified anymore. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Wow. I read from the Amplified. But I say to you, love that is unselfishly seek the best or higher good for your enemies. Seek the best for your enemies. <laughs> Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. Says we have to pray for them. But that's not what we're used to right now. What we're used to right now is praying against. We want to see our enemies self-destruct. And you know, people say, well, if you don't do that, now if you allow these people, they're going to do this to you. They're going to do this to you. The question I ask myself is, listen, if the Lord gives you this instruction, doesn't he know how to take care of your enemies for you? Why don't you obey God and leave the rest to him? Praise God. Are you still here? Just obey God and trust him. <laughs> Do you know this? I'll tell you this, right? If you are walking with the Lord, anybody who chooses to be your enemy is at his own risk. It's none of your business. You keep to the word. You do what God asks you to do. You stay obedient to God and you walk in love. I can tell you these two things. I can tell you these two things. Number one, if I can get you to walk in love all the days of your life. Number two, if I can get you to be a generous believer. Number three, if I can get you to be led by the Spirit of God and to walk in faith, nothing on this earth can cut you short. If you can learn to walk in love, Learn to be a generous believer. Number three, learn to be led by the Spirit of God and to walk by faith. You can't come down. I absolutely, you cannot come down. And why is being led of the Lord important? You're not setting your own goals. You're not driving your own life. You're going where God asks you to go. You're doing what God asks you to do. Let's continue. Says that you may be sons of your father in heaven. You may be sons of your father in heaven. This is our qualification for sonship. Loving the unlovable. Praying for those who hate us. Loving those who spitefully use us. Who despise us. This is what we need to learn of the Lord. Not just coming to church all the time and, oh, God, bless me. Oh, God, keep me. Oh, God, give me this. Oh, God, give me that. Oh, God, give me this. Listen, you will never be satisfied. Money will never satisfy you. Prosperity will never satisfy you. If you think I'm lying, ask why your governors are still stealing from you. Somebody steals for four years, comes back again, steals again for another four years. Goes to the house of Senate, steals again, house of rep for another four years. Goes to the house of Senate, steals, and the person spends 16 years stealing from one state. And yet he's not satisfied. That's to tell you that money won't satisfy you. There's nothing God will do for you that you will ever be grateful enough. Immediately, the, the, how do you call it now? The euphoria of that testimony is gone. You're wanting something else. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, that's why a lot of us have so many shoes and so many clothes and so many stuff. See, then we see this clothes like, man, I need the yellow of it. I need the yellow color. The yellow, the yellow, the yellow. Bam. They buy the yellow. 
You went to church one Sunday. And then God knows the way of setting us up, right? I hope nobody's wearing a yellow shirt here. Okay, don't think I'm talking about you. Just listen now. And then, yeah, you see the red. Say, man, the red is something else. It's something else. It's something. The yellow is gone. Forgotten it. And the funny thing about a human being, you will never give it out. You will never wear it. It's just there. How many of you have gone through your things and just realized, man, I bought this shirt. I was planning to, to wear it. I've never worn it. And it's still there. And then you still have plans for more. It's just human nature. Never satisfied. Never satisfied. So you must derive your satisfaction from the fact that you're a son of God. And how does that come? Am I obeying God? Am I living the life that is well pleasing to God? Now look at this. It says that you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and the unjust. This is an amazing characteristic of God that we really need to explore. He gives rain to the just and the unjust. He's good to the just and the unjust. You know why he's good to the just and the unjust? Because that man can be unjust today and be just tomorrow. It's like Saul of Tarsus killing everybody, killing everybody, supervising the death of Stephen. But in that man was locked up an apostle who was going to write to third of the New Testament, who was going to plant all the churches. But how many of you remember the prayer of Stephen? You remember the prayer of Stephen? Before Stephen died, he says, God, do not count this against them. That was the seed that God used to reach out to Saul. But how many of you know if it was today, that's not the kind of prayer we pray for Stephen? Come on now. Are you in church? Are you sure that's what you're going to pray? Come on, talk to me. Are you sure that's what you're going to pray? That somebody's stoning you to death. And you know, stoning to death is quite painful. Like you see the stones coming on your eye everywhere. You're bleeding. And you say, oh God, don't count this against them. What? you see that we, we are almost having a different version of Christianity, right? I mean, this one was not a perceived enemy. This one was a real enemy. You can see the real stones. You know that you're going to die. And you see the guy who is supervising their killing, who took all their clothes and said, let me free you up so you guys can stone very well. The guy is holding the clothes. You look at him and you say, God, don't count this against him. No, count it and add some more. Multiply it over his head. That's tough. You don't even know any enemy. You just assume they're enemies and you have killed everybody. You don't hear people say that. I kill both known and unknown, conscious and unconscious, conscious enemies. You kill everywhere. <laughs> Imagine how you'd be feeling if you were married to that kind of man and you know the man didn't know that you were awake and he was praying. Even if it is my wife, kill him. And you, just, you, know, you know that marriage. That's the truth. Some people having marital problems. It's not the devil. It's just because the, the husband have heard you pray and the wife have heard you pray. So both of you are in the same house, but you suspect each other. Are you following what I'm saying? Your wife serves you food. And he said, well, why don't you? He's okay, I will eat. Go and bring water. And then the woman is going to bring water. You quickly bring anointing oil, pour over everything. And the woman sees you. There's no way you're going to walk in love. I say, oh, pastor, I don't know what's happening to my marriage. You are happening to your marriage. You. Why are we so scared that people will kill us? Why? Where did this fear come from? Oh, somebody's going to take your destiny. What destiny? Who gave it to you in the first place? I've never been afraid that any man in this world can get. I've never been afraid. It's not never trained that way. I've never been conscious of enemies. I'll tell you a story. No, if I tell you the story, it's going to increase your fear. Let's go on. <laughs> okay, but I'll tell you. When I was growing up, a lady came to borrow my mother's cloth. 
She needed to go somewhere and she needed one kind of lace. She came to borrow it. We were upstairs. In a work, we called her in worry. And then 30 minutes later, she came knocking at the door, knocking, knocking, knocking. She wants to return the cloth. She wants to return the cloth. Ah. My mom said, okay, keep it. It was late. Keep it. You bring it tomorrow. She said, no. So my mom asked me to go take the cloth. So I went, pick the cloth. The next morning, the lady was all naked, confessing that she was a witch and she needed to do a couple of things. So she needed the cloth. But when she took the cloth, fire was burning in the house. So she had to return it. Number one, we didn't pray. Number two, we didn't know. Number three, she returned it. Number four, we kept on living. It's not something we talked about. Are you following what I'm saying? I know for some of you say, Pastor, that's what I'm talking about. That is the written. No. The thing is, if your way pleases the Lord, he will sort you out. When I teach these things, I don't deny the existence of those evil things around. What I'm telling you is this. You are not, it's not your business to handle. It's God's business. Because in the real sense, you don't even know what's going wrong. So instead of suspecting everybody around you, instead of living in a way that is, ah, this one, oh no, I can't come. My children can't eat there. My this thing can't eat there. My this <laughs> You're just joking. I'll tell you this. Listen very carefully. You cannot protect yourself. Do what God asks you to do. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's go on. Verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Did you read that last line? Did you read what Jesus told us? Come on. Did you read that last line? That he wants us to be perfect how? Come on now. Come on. Come on. He's on the screen. Even if it's not on your Bible. What did he say? Therefore, be what? Perfect just as what? Your Father in heaven is what? What's your standard of perfection? Come on now. What is your standard of perfection? Let's say it one more time. What is your standard of perfection? Do you think God will ask you to do what you cannot do? So you're not measuring yourself with your pastor. Who are you measuring yourself with? Who are you measuring yourself with? And do you know how he told us we can achieve this? The four things he told us to do. Loving our enemies. Praying for those who spitefully use us. Doing good to those who hate us. He says, if we do this, we'll get into perfection. Just as our Father in heaven is perfect. That's your standard. Your standard is not your grandfather. Your standard is God. And this is a direct instruction from God. Therefore, you shall be perfect. Just as your father in heaven is perfect. Don't go by that. Oh, no man can be perfect. I'm a man. You know, sometimes when we want to sin, that's what we say. I'm a man. Are you not a man? Yes, I'm a man. But he wants all of us to be perfect as God is perfect. How do we do that? Love your enemies. So I give an assignment on Wednesday. I'll give it to you again and then we'll close. Number one, go back home today and write out. You know how you do singular and plural in school, right? Write out my enemies. Okay? List all the enemies you know. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Go to verse 44. Put verse 44 up for me. Simple. No, I, I did it. I did it one time. It helped me. <laughs> it, it really helped me. It looks like joke, but it's not joke. I'm serious. Okay, so go home today. Write all the enemies you know. All the people you don't like. People who have spitefully used you. You know what it means to spite, to look down on you, to despise you. You know you have all those lists. As I'm preaching this message now, I know they are all in your head. If you have forgotten, the Holy Spirit will bring them to your remembrance. Write all of them down. Pick a day to pray for each one of them. Don't pray that God will kill them. He will not answer. Pray that God will bless them. 
When you start praying, you will not mean it from your heart. But pray it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pray it constantly. If you do this thing I'm telling you, it will transform your life. Pray it constantly until you move from hatred to love. The first two days, you will feel hypocritical. Continue. It's like, oh God, bless this person. But in my real mind, hi, what is, continue. As you keep doing that exercise of the spirit, you know what's going to happen? The love of God is going to over. At a point, you will really desire that God will bless them. That's when you should stop. Those who spitefully use you, ask the Lord if he wants you to do any good to them. Do it anonymously. Lord, is there any need in their life you want me to meet? You want me to do something good to them? For some of them, get their phone number, send them recharge cards, bless them. Listen, you're not doing it so God will do something for you. You are doing it to obey God. So I'm not saying when you finish that, say, oh God, this is the list of my enemies. I've done good for them. Oh, you are opened the door. No, no, no. Don't get into that trade by battle. You are not doing it so God will do something. No. You are obeying God. And sometimes obeying God needs you to be deliberate. So see, listen, I have obeyed God in this area. Not you just assume you are obeying God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Come on, I said, do you understand what I'm saying? So you go back and you do this. And anytime anything crosses your mind that this person is your enemy, you just open your enemy and blessing notes and put their name. So you know what's going to happen? After a while, you realize that you don't even want enemies anymore. Because you know now that God is going to give you an assignment to their life. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when somebody wants to be your enemy, you say, guy, guy, no, 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 no. I don't do enemy stuff. Because now you know you're going to be responsible for blessing them. But you know why God is going to bless you? God is going to bless you to have enough resources to also bless your enemies. God is not blessing you to show your enemies that he is God. Listen, and I need to work on that theology. God is not blessing you to show your enemies that he is God because he is God both to the just and the unjust. He causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Why is God blessing you? God is blessing you because you are his child and so that you have enough resources to bless your enemies when the time comes. Are you? So that's why I don't have enemies in my life because I really want to spend my time praying for those I really want to pray for. Are you following what I'm saying? How many of us think we'll try this out? I know some of you have a lot of enemies. Start with two. Before the end of the year, we'll clear up the list. Are you following what I'm saying? The greatest secret to the Christian life is to walk in love. Walk in love. It'll help you. Praise God. Have you been blessed this morning? Are you sure you've been blessed this morning? Okay, so we're going to say this out loud. Say number one, I love my enemies. Oh, say it well. Say, I love my enemies. And when you're saying this, don't look at your wife. Just look straight. Say, I love my enemies. <laughs> I bless those who curse me. I do good to those who hate me. Oh, that's, that's a tough one, right? I do good to those who hate me. I pray for those who spitefully use me and persecute me. You know what? That boss in your office that you know, you know, and everybody knows that you know and they know that does not like you. That's where to start from. And sometimes, I'll tell you this, this does not always produce good results. But it produces good results in the eyes of God. Joseph had an absolute love work. But it wasn't easy for him. How many of you know when his brothers came, the brothers started to skim. And he says, what you meant for evil, God turned it around for good. But he walked in love towards his brothers. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we're open to the challenge of scripture this morning. And Lord, we know that it will be tough. Our flesh will fight against us. But we yield ourselves to you by the Holy Ghost. And we pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will enhance in our heart that capacity to walk in love. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise God. 
Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.